You're listening to episode 44 of the Money Owners Podcast with me, Morgan Rochard. Money Owners is a podcast for people who want to be mentally and financially crushing it. This podcast does not provide investment advice and nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued to be investment advice. If you'd like more information on Money Owners Coaching, the podcast, the homework, and everything I have to offer, visit moneyowners.com. What is happening, my fellow money owners? I am feeling awesome. I got this out on time. Woo! (laughs) Anyways, um, this week's episode is all about middle class woes. Yeah, I was, um, I saw a tweet, I forget who put it out, um, who basically said something like, um, oh, all the financial pundits who have all this money are telling you to stop drinking your lattes and stop, you know, taking your kid to a movie and stop enjoying your life while you're, you know, you're supposed to do all these things while they're out there making money. And I couldn't agree more, actually. So I think one of the things it's like, it's so hard when you're, when you're quote unquote middle class, right? Like you don't make very much or you live in a high cost of living area where if, you actually made that salary somewhere else, you would be in good shape. But because you live in like New York City or LA or San Francisco, you can't seem to, you know, make ends meet. Um, maybe even have taken on a little bit of debt. Um, and you probably don't think that the math is possible for you. And I'm here to tell you that that's just not true. <laughs> so um, the math is possible for everybody. And it's kind of dependent on how you want to make the math work. Um I think that that's kind of, it's like all in your brain, you know, the things that we've been talking about for the last 44, 43 episodes. Um, There's definitely a lot going on up there that prevents us from doing things. And one of the major money scripts I see people have in places that have high cost of living is, well, this is just where I live and things cost a lot. So there's really not a whole lot that I can do. Um, and the truth is, is that that's, that's not true. Um, and this, and the more you say that to yourself, the more you're going to believe it. And the less you say that to yourself, the more you say, I can do it. The more you come up with ways to do it, the more you get the ball rolling in the right direction, the more likely you are to get out of this trap that you're currently in. That is the middle-class woe. Um, and I want that for you. And I'm sure you want that for you too, right? Nobody wants to just like live paycheck to paycheck. Um, especially if you are making a good living, um, and you're just living in, in an area where the cost of living is just too high. So one of the easiest things, well, maybe not easiest things to do, but one of the the ways to change the equation, right? There's money coming in, there's money that's going out, and then there's your net income. And that net number is then savings. And that savings, hopefully you can put towards, um, well, hopefully you don't have debt, but if you do have debt, you put that towards paying down debt. Um, you can hopefully use it also to build an emergency savings fund. And then once you're done with that, you can then move on to investment goals and that will help you grow and build wealth. And that's the secret to wealth. There's really no, I mean, I wish there were, right? I wish I could just like snap my fingers and have there be more money in your account, but there's kind of no other way. You just have to either make more money, spend less, do a combination of the two and save something and then take that savings and do something productive with it. Um, yeah, (laughs) it's not magic really. That's just like the basics of financial planning. Um, And it is possible for you as well if you are uh, living with a middle-class salary. Um, And really, regardless, I think, I mean, unless you're really, really, really tight. Um, And I'm talking living like, you know, on the poverty line or below. Um, These are going to be possible for you. So I think the first thing that you have to do is you always start with what's most important. 
Um, and that's something that we talk about in this podcast all the time. You can go back and listen to many, many episodes on this. Um, there was one specifically in episode 32 where we talked about Kinder's three questions. And I would, I invite you to go listen to that um, or even find a life planner even better to help you work through this stuff. But um, starting with what is most important really is the only way for you to get the ball rolling. It will give you motivation. It will give you the reason for doing all of this. Um, it's kind of not enough to just be like, well, I want more money in my account. Um, you've probably been saying that for a while and maybe you don't have more money in your account, <laughs> right? Um, everybody kind of wants more money, but nobody really thinks about how they can go about doing it. Whereas when you have a very clear, crisp goal in mind, that is something that's really important to you. Um, then you will be able to make those changes. And it's just easier when you're clear. Um, the other thing is that then you can check in with yourself at the end of the day or at the end of the week. Um, hopefully you do it daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, where you check in with yourself and you really evaluate if, if the decisions that you have made on a daily, weekly, monthly, annual basis have led you to the place that you want to be. I really believe that this is the best way to do it for any goal. <laughs> Um, I personally do this. I like to check in with myself. Um, I don't do it always daily. I'm not a saint. Um, but I do check in at least every other day, um, definitely once a week with myself to make sure that I am sort of hitting important milestones in my own life. And that if I haven't hit them yet, then I'm on track to do so. Um, so it's kind of not enough to just do some soul searching and find those goals. It's also about, you know, maintaining motivation along the way, maintaining that discipline along the way, however you want to look at it. And one of the best ways to maintain it is to really just evaluate what you're doing on a regular basis and see if you're meeting your goals um, or at least working towards them, right? So if your major goal is to pay down debt, but you haven't really made any changes to pay down debt, <laughs> you'll know that, right? <laughs> You might not know that after a day, but you will definitely know that after the first month of you trying to make changes. If you are actually working towards that goal, have you tried to pay down more debt than maybe the minimum on your credit card balance, right? These are things that they're pretty easy to evaluate um, if you are checking in with yourself regularly. So I implore you to do that because I think that that is the best way for you to change your situation. Um, once you do that though, right, kind of the rest of the stuff will fall into place. You'll kind of know what you need to do. You'll know what you need to eliminate. You'll know when you go to buy something, oh, is this like high on my list? Is this important to me? Do I need this? Is this something that like really brings joy to my heart? Or is this something that I'm just doing because I, it's out of convenience or other people are doing it, or I feel like I ought to do it. Um, there are certain ought to expenses, right. That are associated maybe with your home, like replacing a boiler. Nobody actually likes to do that. Right. But like you do like living in a nice home. <laughs> so certain maintenance expenses or like your car breaks down where you, you have to maybe don't feel good about paying money for those expenses, but they are associated with something that is important to you in your life. So, um, it's important to break those things up though, versus let's say, I don't know, you, just didn't plan very well for the week and you ended up ordering in nearly all of your meals right? Like that's something that's out of convenience. I don't know necessarily if that's like your life's goal, right? Is to make sure that you try, and maybe it is, maybe your life's goal is to try every single restaurant in your neighborhood. Um, if so, great. But if it's not that, then maybe you need to lay off the takeout, um, and plan a little bit better. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you got to cook gourmet meals for yourself every single night, but maybe food's not really supposed to be entertainment either. Right. I don't know. Um, and there are certain things that'll just help you get better at these. So, one of the things that I've kind of hammered home um, here on Money Owners Podcast, um, on my Twitter account, and also in um, my financial planning blog posts is, 
you got to check large fixed expenses. Um, when money is going out the door every single month and it's a large number, it kind of doesn't matter how much coupon clipping you do and how much, you know, not spending money at Starbucks you do, right? Like if, you know, if you really are spending 36% of your income on housing and your car and everything else, then maybe it's not looking so good for you because of that. Uh, and so large fixed expenses are definitely something that need to be evaluated. Your house, your car, the insurance associated with both your house and car. Hopefully you can raise deductibles um, on your insurance policies to make your insurance policies cheaper. That said, though, if you don't really have an emergency savings fund and you're running, you know, you have some debt, it's kind of taking a bunch of risk. Whereas if you are able to put away some money and save some money um, and something does happen, then you are able to meet a higher deductible. Um, your, your plan will have a lower premium to it if you do have a higher deductible generally, although they've been getting a lot smarter with the car insurance and that's been really kind of annoying me. Um, <laughs> that's neither here nor there, but it always, it doesn't hurt to check, right? They're going to quote you a number that they think is appropriate for you. They don't know if it's whether or not it's appropriate for you. Only you know that. Um, you or if you're working with a financial planner, they will be able to tell you. But the idea would be that your deductible is something that you could easily cover with your emergency fund if something did happen. So raising those deductibles is always a good way because um, the, if the insurance company has to pay out less to you, um, if you have to pay out some of the expense, then the premium itself is going to be lower. Um, and something is unlikely to happen to you, right? Hopefully, and hopefully you're not lighting your house on fire or texting while driving or doing really dangerous things while driving, driving with your feet while you put your makeup on. I don't know what you're doing. Um, but <laughs> the idea being that, you know, you stay relatively safe because you should be doing that anyways. And you try not to get into accidents and you try not to do bad things around your house. And then you have just, you know, lower risk overall. And obviously un unforeseen things can happen and you might need to pay or um, file a claim on your insurance policy. But in lieu of that, right, you're paying lower premiums, you are saving more, and you're working more towards self-insurance. So all around, um, that's a great way. Um, I've thrown this number around a lot. Keep housing 20% or below pre-tax income. I know people are like, what? But it will really, really help you if you're able to do that. Um, it'll help you save money. It, same thing with your car. You can keep your car 5% or less of your pre-tax income, then you're going to be able to save money because it's only 25% of your budget, your pre-tax budget, not even your after-tax budget. Your pre-tax budget is going to that, right? There's also going to be taxes that you're going to pay. You're probably paying, you know, between city, state, wherever you live, plus federal and FICA and everything else. Like you're probably paying at least 20% on your taxes. Um, in which case, you know, you don't have that much left over. You only have about 55% left over for everything else. And you should be saving about 20% of that, right? Like the pie is starting to get really, really small. Um, and if your housing and other large fixed expenses are really high, you can see how quickly it eats into that. So I would say that that's really, no matter what, um, always the place to start after you obviously check in with your goals, because like if the home or the car is the most important thing to you and it's the thing that brings you the most joy, then obviously that's not the place to cut. But there's a difference between I want that, I need that, you know, versus it really is the thing that brings you the most joy in your life. I feel like we have a lot of wants and needs and we claim that, you know, these are non-negotiable things that we must have. But when we, if we really sat down and thought about it, a lot of things are actually way more negotiable than we think that they are. So um, check yourself. Is that you? <laughs> is that not you? I don't know. I don't know you. You, you tell me. Um, another thing, right, is pay down your debt. So a lot of I, what I see is in middle class income situations is that you don't think that the numbers can work for you. So you think, why bother? And then you do end up, you know, running 
some credit card debt. Um, I actually, I often see people putting money into 401ks while having credit card debt. So you need to evaluate if the money going into the 401k, if it maybe if you're getting the match, only putting up to the match and then using the rest to pay down debt. Um, since it is one for one, it is free money for you. I mean, it also depends on the plan. Sometimes the 401k matches aren't one for one. So you have to think about whether or not it's important for you to do that. Um, but I would say that that's, I mean, that's obviously the easiest way, right, to grow and build wealth is to pay down debt because it's kind of a one-two punch, right? If your net worth is growing, you're using savings to pay down debt. That's going to help your net worth grow. It's also going to eventually, you know, free up extra cash flow for you to then save and invest and do all the things that you want to do to have that most fulfilled life that we talked about in the first step of this. So, yeah, I would absolutely say it. And you should automate it if you can. Um, because, I mean, the next step is to automate your savings, but there's no reason why you couldn't also automate your debt. If you actually you know, thought about what you were spending, if you calculated your large fixed expenses and then you calculated the money left over that you would have for spending and how much you wanted to use to pay down debt, then you should just automatically pay it. You know, like, don't wait. Don't, like, you know, sit there at the end of the month thinking and hemming and hawing about it. Sometimes it just helps to get the money out of your account and then you're not thinking about it anymore and then you just spend what's left over. Um, hopefully that would work for you. I mean, sometimes when people are in debt situations, they just rack up more debt in other places. So you really need to consider how um, your decisions are affecting you and how it affects how you pay off your credit cards or whether or not you're able to do it at all. Um, but yeah, automating is, I, I think very helpful. Automate paying down debt, automate paying, automate savings, automate investing, automate as much as you can, right? The less you have to think about your money and like the friction that, <laughs> that it, that like kind of comes up in our brains. I feel like for, you know, for like a person like me who likes this and stuff, like I just, I don't, it's not a big deal for me to think about it, but there are a lot of, like, I totally understand that there are a lot of people out there that aren't like that. Right. And that don't love this stuff and that love other things in their life and want to spend their time doing all those other things. So in this information age with the internet and everything else that we have, why not make your life easy? Especially if you get an even paycheck. I mean, it's totally different if you get paid on commissions or if you get paid lumpy or if you're a business owner and all those other things that we have talked about on these podcasts. But if you are just getting the, you know, the steady paycheck every, you know, every other week, then why not just put, you know, a certain percentage of it, hopefully 20% <laughs> of it towards um, your savings and investment and literally just have the money go. Don't think about it. Have it go to your savings account. Have it go to your investment account. Have your investment account auto invest it. So you don't even have to log in and look at it, right? I mean, you should log in to make sure that they're doing it properly. But after you've done that the first few times, then you don't have to worry about it anymore, right? Just like have it run on autopilot. The more you do on autopilot and the less you have to think about it, the more you'll be pleasantly surprised at the end of a year, three years, five years of what you've been able to accomplish. Um, another thing I've talked about on this podcast, but I want to reemphasize is buying used and buying secondhand. So we always think that we need the newest, shiniest, best, latest, greatest things. We don't. <laughs> and I think that that becomes really clear if you really flesh out um, the first part of all of this, which is starting with what is most important to you. Is the latest and greatest of everything the most important thing to you? Do you need the latest iPhone? Do you need to have the iPhone subscription where you upgrade your iPhone every year, every two years or whatever it is so that they keep you paying a larger phone bill every month? Probably not. Do you need the best phone company? Like, are they even the best? They're all kind of using the same, you know, the same cell phone towers at this point. So I would say like, do you need to be going with an AT&T or Verizon or could you go with a cheaper provider? Um, cause I mean, I've seen like $300 a month cell phone bills be able to be cut in half or even in a third because 
you just don't need all those things. Um, and you can live with a three to five year old phone and it's going to be fine. (laughs) I think my laptop is like five years old now and it still works pretty well. So, um, I'm just saying like, these are things to think about. Um, and then you need to kind of weigh the pros and cons of like buying new versus buying used. Um, one of the examples I like to use, um, is baby stuff. <laughs> so like these strollers, for instance, maybe I just have baby on my mind cause we're having a baby soon. Um, but like these strollers are like $1,800. And I remember talking to a client about this one time and she was telling me about how she needed this bugaboo stroller and it was literally $1,800 and she needed it because <laughs> she was having her second child and she wanted her kids to sit side by side and she wanted the place to put the bassinet. And it was very, very, very important. Okay. And it was $1,800. And mind you, like this couple was in a lot of debt and there was other issues going on. So I remember her saying to me, well, it doesn't really matter how much we spend on it because they have really high resale value. And so at that point I was like, you know, my ears perked up because I was like resale value. Hmm. Does that mean that you can go buy a good one used? (laughs) And she was like, no, 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 I'm going to buy it new and then sell mine. And I'm like, well, why don't you look online? Because you might be able to find something on Craigslist, um, where you can get that stroller at, you know, at, you know, 40% of the price, which is what people usually are able to get it for you. Because basically if something's used, right. And they're able to sell it even for 50% of the price, that means that they paid the same amount as you did for something that's used. So it like the math doesn't actually make sense there. Um, unless it's like completely new and in perfect condition. So it's just something to think about where you're buying used stuff. I mean, we picked up like a, I think I paid like $30 for this jogging stroller. And like, I didn't even, I don't even jog, but the whole reason why I got the stroller was because like, I wanted to take it to the beach at my parents' house. And I know with the big wheel, it'd be a lot easier to roll it within like those small wheels. But I was like, I'm not a jogger. I'm not going to use this as a jogging stroller. I don't want to spend, you know, $700 on a Bob stroller or whatever the heck they charge for that stuff. So it's just like thinking about these things, right? Because like, (laughs) is the stroller the most important thing in your life? Right. Or, and there's like a million things that you can apply this to, for instance, cars, right? If your car is not the most important thing to you in your life, then Maybe go buy a used car. Um, maybe even if the cars are the most important thing to you, that you still go buy a used car because you can get a used car at a reasonable price and still have the thing that you want. Sometimes you can have a nicer car by buying it used than you could have otherwise done if you bought it new, in which case you might be even more pleasantly surprised by what you're driving. Um, I'm not saying maybe necessarily for the middle class, what was issue that you do that where you like go upgrade to a used Mercedes instead of buying a new Toyota Highlander. But, you know... <laughs> These are things to think about, right? These are all trade-offs. As soon as you drive that car across the lot, um, it's depreciated in value. Um, And pretty much everything is like that in our lives. Um, You can pick up a used stereo set if if that's something that you want. You can get an old Apple TV if you need that, right? Like there's just so many things and so many people have things that they want to sell because they're also trying to make money. So that's kind of another thing that you can think about is, is there stuff in your home that actually has value that you're not using? In which case you could use that to increase your income and offset some of the issues that you're having, or maybe help you pay off some debt or help you save a little bit more. I had, um, we had this babysitter back when we lived in New York and, um, she worked for a financial company and she used to babysit on, um, on weekends and she called it her, her vacation fund. And I just loved that. Cause it was like, she knew she didn't have, like, she had other expenses and she wanted to save and she was being responsible, but she knew that she wanted to take nice vacations every now and then. So what'd she do? She did some extra babysitting hours on the weekends to make sure that she had that money. 
Um, and that's just like, I think if you start with what's most important to you, right. For her, like making sure that she had nice vacations every year was really important to her, but it didn't fit within the confines of her budget. If you think about what's most important to you, then you'll be able to come up with a way to achieve that. Maybe it is, you know, selling things in your house. Maybe it is doing some sort of, I don't know, babysitting or some other sort of side hustle on the side that you can generate a little extra income. Maybe it's cutting expenses somewhere. Maybe it's moving, right? Like there are many ways to make the math work in the equation if you're willing to do it and if you have a reason to do it. But if you don't have that reason to do it, well, things are kind of just going to stay the same. And it's kind of not enough to just say, "Eh, I'm fed up with this because you probably have been saying that for a while and nothing's really been happening. All right. After you've done all that stuff and still things aren't working, then it's time to work on budgeting. Um, I put budgeting last because nobody really likes to budget. I mean, honestly, not like really nobody likes to do it. There's like, I think that they probably could do a study on it and they would find that maybe like 0.5% of the population likes to do it and all of them are work in finance and not even just finance. They work in like personal finance. (laughs) For the rest of us out there who don't like doing this, right, save that as a last resort. Try to work on savings and income goals first. And if you're not hitting those goals and if you haven't been able to implement maybe some of the checking large fixed expenses or buying user secondhand or automating or all the other things that maybe could help you do do these things first, then check your budget. Then see how you can like allocate literally every single dollar. Um, it works. It's tedious. It's annoying. It's horrible. Um, I hear you. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> I don't want that for you. That's why I'm trying to give you all the other things to do first. Um, but if it really isn't working, then you have to evaluate what will work for you. So, um, I really do like to have an 80, 20 mentality about it where 20% of your income is going towards savings investment or, and, or paying down debt, whatever works for you or is, you know, has to deal with your personal financial situation. However, that said, if you're not able to do that 20%, then you actually need to evaluate what's in that 80%. Um, For a lot of people, when they are paying down debt, um, it's usually a situation where you're not able to prioritize wants versus needs, um, in which case the popular 50-30-20 budget, where 50% of your money goes towards um, needs, 30% goes towards wants, and 20% goes towards savings or paying down debt sometimes works for people. Again, I think you can use that as a tool, but honestly, 80% is really all you have to allocate, right? You don't need to worry about whether or not it's needs versus wants um, unless you're having a really hard time prioritizing. Um, So you can further break down that 80% into the 50 and 30 category if you want to, but that 20 stays the same, right? You still need to be saving. (laughs) You need to be doing all those things to make sure that you live the life that you want to live, not only now, but in the future. And the thing about personal finance is that it's always a trade-off. It's always a balance. There's our wants and needs right now, and there are wants and needs that we're going to have in the future. And we can't assume that those wants and needs in the future will automatically be taken care of. You need to take responsibility for your personal financial situation right now, not in 20 years from now, when maybe it's too late. Um, And I see that a lot when people are in their 50s and they're like, I'm ready to retire. I'm ready to start thinking about other things. I'm ready to like do this in the next five to 10 years. And they can't because they took too long. (laughs) I don't want that to be you. 
right? If you're already there, then yes, this stuff is still super important. It's still super important to prioritize what's most important and make the changes. But the thing is, is that 20% of your savings is probably not going to be high enough at that point. You're probably going to need to save a lot more than that. The sooner that you start, the earlier you start, the more likely your money will have time to grow and, and become something that'll be substantial later on for you. So yeah, I think I'll leave it there. I feel like I'm yelling at you. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. Um, anyways, other news. So this podcast will come out, um, hopefully on October 7th is when you're listening to this. Um, my book will be out on October 19th. So, um, it's called the personal finance quick start guide. I'm super excited to release this to the world. It is basically everything that you hear here and more, and it'll help you actually create a financial plan for yourself. So I, um, I hope that you trust and that you like me enough to want to go out there and buy my book. It would mean the world to me. Um, in lieu of that, if you do like the show, please tell a friend, tell your mom, tell your dad, tell your sisters and your brothers and everybody else you know to listen to my show. <laughs> Give me a review on iTunes. It really helps because when people search for things like personal finance or money, the more reviews I have, then the more likely I am to come up in the search. So that would be most um, appreciated. So thank you. Um, I am going to do probably a Q and a next. I know I said we were going to do it every 10, but I haven't been putting these out as consistently. So I feel like if we did Q and a every 10, like we, you might get a Q and a every like 16 years at this point. So, um, <laughs> there will be a Q and a for episode 45. So if you have questions that you want to have answered by me, um, please send them in. You can DM me on Twitter at Morgan with an E Rochard or at money underscore owners. You can also find me on my website, moneyowners.com forward slash ask Morgan with an E. And I will hopefully see y'all in two to three weeks. Okay. Bye.